Appendix 3 of The Life of Thomas, Lord Cochrane, 10th Earl of Dundonald, Volume 1, by Henry Richard Fox Bourne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Timothy Ferguson. Appendix 3. The following letter, too long to be quoted in the body of the work, but too important to be omitted, was addressed by Lord Cochrane to the Brazilian Secretary of State. It gives memorable evidence of the treatment to which he was subjected by the Portuguese faction in Brazil. Rio de Janeiro, May the 3rd, 1824. Most Excellent Sir, I have the honour of Your Excellency's reply to my letter of the 30th of March, and as I am thereby taught that the subjects on which I wrote are not now considered so intimately connected with Your Excellency's department as they were by your immediate predecessor, nor even so far relevant as to justify a direct communication to Your Excellency, I should feel it my duty to avoid troubling you farther on those subjects, were it not that you, at the same time, have freely expressed such opinions with respect to my conduct and motives, as justice to myself requires me to controvert and refute. With regard to Your Excellency's assurance that it has ever been the intention of His Imperial Majesty and Council to act favourably towards me, I can, in return, assure your excellency that i have never doubted the just and benign intention of his imperial majesty himself neither have i doubted that a part of his privy council has thought well of my services and if i have imagined that a majority has been prejudiced against me i have formed that conclusion merely from the effects which i have seen and experienced and not from any undue prepossession against particular individuals whether brazilian or portuguese but when Your Excellency adds that such transactions between the late Minister and myself, which, owing to their having been conducted verbally, have been ill-understood, have been invariably decided in a manner favourably to me, I confess myself at a loss to understand Your Excellency's meaning, not having any recollection of such favourable decisions, and therefore not feeling myself competent either to admit or deny, unless in the first place Your Excellency shall be pleased to descend to particulars, I do indeed recollect that the late ministers, professing to have the authority of his imperial majesty, and which, from the personal countenance I have experienced from that august personage, I am sure they did not clandestinely assume, proffered to me the command of the imperial squadron with every privilege, emolument, and advantage which I possessed in the command of the navy of Chile, and this your excellency is desired to observe was not a verbal transaction, but a written one and therefore not liable to any of those misunderstandings to which verbal transactions, as Your Excellency observes, are naturally subject. Now in Chile my commission was that of Commander-in-Chief of the Squadron, without limitation as to time or any other restriction. <clears throat> my command, of course, was only to cease by my own voluntary resignation, or by sentence of court-martial, or by death or other uncontrollable event. And accordingly the appointment which I accepted in the service of His Imperial Majesty, and in virtue of which I sailed in command of the expedition to Bahia, was the commander-in-chief of the whole squadron without limitation as to time or otherwise. And this too, Your Excellency will be pleased to observe, was not a verbal transaction, but a solemn engagement in writing, bearing date the 26th of March, 1823, and now in my possession. I had also the assurance in writing of the Minister of Marine that the formalities of engrossment and registration of such appointment were only deferred from want of time, and should be executed immediately after my return. And now I most respectfully put it home to Your Excellency whether these engagements have or have not been fully confirmed and complied with under the present administration. I ask Your Excellency whether the patent which I received bearing the date the 25th November 1823 did not contain a clause of limitation by which I might at any time be dismissed from the service under any pretense 
or without any pretense whatever, without even the form of a hearing in my own defence. Then again, I ask Your Excellency whether my officer's commander-in-chief of the squadron was not reduced for a period of three months, as appears by every official communication of the Minister of Marine to me during that period, to the command only of the vessels of war anchored in this port. Reader's note footnote. This was resorted to in order to prevent Lord Cochrane from stationing the cruisers to annoy the enemy, to deprive him of any interest in future captures, and prevent his opposition to the unlawful restoration of the enemy's property. Footnote ends. Letter continues. And further on this subject, I ask Your Excellency whether, after my repeated remonstrances against this injurious limitation of my stipulated authority, it was not pretended by the decree published in the Gazette of the 28th February that I was then for the first time as a mark of special favour, elevated to the rank of Commander-in-Chief of the Squadron, and that, too, during the period only of the existing war, although nothing less than the Chief Command had been offered to me at the first without any restriction as to time, and although it was only in that capacity I had consented to enter into the service, and under a written appointment, as such I had then been in the service nearly twelve months. And then I ask Your Excellency whether the limitation introduced into the patent of the 25th of November last, in violation of the original agreement, and confirmed and defined by the decree, published on the 28th of February following, to which may be added the communication which I received from Your Excellency, excluding me from taking the oath and becoming a party to the Constitution, the 149th article of which provides for the protection of officers until lawfully deprived by sentence of court-martial, I say that I respectfully ask Your Excellency whether these proceedings were not well adapted for the purpose of casting me off with the utmost facility at the earliest moment that convenience might dictate, either with or without the admission of those claims for the future to which past services are usually considered entitled, as might best suit the inclination of those with whom my dismissal might originate. And is it not most probable that their inclination would run counter to those claims, especially when it is considered that my letter of the 6th of March to the Minister of Marine, in which I made the inquiry whether my right to half-pay would be recognised on the termination of the war, has never been answered, although my application for a reply was repeated? Reader's note, footnote, an answer was at last given, a few days before Lord Cochrane's assistance was called for to put down the revolution at Pernambuco, and half of the originally granted half-pay was decreed when he should return, after the termination of hostilities, to his native country. Reader's note, footnote, ends, letter continues. If, then, the explicit engagements in writing between the late Minister of His Imperial Majesty and myself have, as I have shown, been set aside by the present Ministry and Council, and other arrangements far less favourable to me, and destructive of the lawful security of my present and future rights, have, without my consent, been substituted in their stead, where, I entreat Your Excellency, am I to look for those favourable constructions of, quote, ill-understood verbal transactions, end quote, which Your Excellency requires me to accept as a proof that the intentions of the present Ministry and Council, in respect to me, have ever been of the most favourable and obliging nature. I would beg permission, too, to inquire how it happened that the Portarias, reader's note, footnote, official communications, end footnote, from the Minister of Marine, charging me unjustly from time to time with neglecting to obey the command of his imperial majesty were constantly made public while my answers in refutation were always suppressed and why when i remonstrated against this injustice was i answered that the same course should be persisted in and that i had no alternative but to acquiesce or to descend to a newspaper controversy by publishing my exculpations myself is it possible not to perceive that the ex parte publication of these accusatory portarias 
was intended to lower me in the public estimation and to prepare the way for the exercise of that power of summary dismissal which was so unfairly acquired by the means above described on the subject of the prizes your excellency is pleased to state la difficultés servants d'un jugement de prise on et du on des motifs si connus et positifs quil est essais de l'ore de l'avoir attribué à la mauvaise volonté du conseil de SMI. To this I replied that I know of no just cause for the delay which has arisen in the decision of the prizes, and consequently I have the right to impute blame for that delay to those who have the power to cause it or remove it. If the majority of voices in council had been for a prompt condemnation to the captors of the prizes taken from the Portuguese nation, is it possible that individuals of that nation would have been suffered to continue to be the judges of those prizes after an experience of many months has demonstrated either their determination to do nothing or nothing favourable to their captors. The repugnance of Portuguese judges to condemn property captured from their fellow countrymen as a reward to those who have engaged in hostilities against Portugal is natural enough, and is the only well-known and positive cause of the delay with which I am acquainted. But it is not such a cause for delay as ought to have been permitted to operate by the ministers and council of His Imperial Majesty, who are bound in honour and duty, to act with fidelity toward those who have been engaged as auxiliaries in the attainment and maintenance of the independence of the empire i did however inform your excellency that i had heard it stated that another difficulty had arisen in the apprehension that this government might be under the necessity of eventually restoring the prizes to the original portuguese owners as a condition of peace but this your excellency assures me proves nothing but that i am a listener to rapporteurs whom i ought to drive from my presence unfortunately however for this bold explanation of your excellency the individual whom i heard make the observation was no other than his excellency the present minister of marine francisco villala barboza if your excellency considers that gentleman in the light of a rapporteur or tale-bearer it is not for me to object but the imputation of being a listener to or encourager of tale-bearers so rashly advanced by your excellency against me is without foundation in truth it may be necessary for ministers of state to have their eavesdroppers and informers but mine is a straightforward course which needs no such precautions and if there are any who volunteer information or advice i can appreciate the value of it and the motives of those who offer it those who know me much better than your excellency does will admit that i am in the habit of thinking for myself and not apt to act on the suggestions of others especially if officiously tendered as to the successive appointment and removal of incompetent auditors of marine for which your excellency gives credit to the council i can only say that the benefit of such repeated changes is by no means apparent and to revert again to the difficulty of decision for which your excellency intimates there is a sufficient cause i beg leave to ask your excellency what just reason can exist for not condemning these prizes to the captors can it be denied that the orders under which i sailed for the blockade of bahia authorized me to act hostilely against the ships and property of the crown and subjects of portugal can it be denied that war was regularly declared between the two nations was it not even promulgated under the sanction of his imperial majesty in a document giving to privateers certain privileges which it is admitted were possessed by the ships of war in the making and sale of captures and yet did not the prize tribunal consisting chiefly as i observed of portuguese on the return of the squadron eight months afterwards pretend to be ignorant whether his imperial majesty was at war or at peace with the kingdom of portugal and did they not under that pretence avoid proceeding to adjudication was not this pretence a false one or is it one of those well-founded causes of difficulty to which your excellency alludes 
can it be denied that the squadron sailed and acted in the full expectation grounded on the assurance and engagements of the government that all captures made under the flag of the enemy whether ships of war or merchant vessels were to be prize to the captors and yet when the prize judges were at length under the necessity of commencing proceedings did they not endeavour to set aside the claims of the captors by their monstrous pretence that they had no interest in their captures when made within the distance of two leagues from the shore will your excellency contend that this was a good and sufficient reason was it founded in common sense or on any rational precedent or indeed any precedent whatsoever was it either honest to the squadron or faithful to the country was it calculated to prevent the squadron from ever again assailing an invading enemy or again expelling him from the shores of the empire then in the next place did not these extraordinary judges pretend that at least all vessels taken in ports and harbours should be condemned as droits to the crown and not as prize to the captors was this not another most pernicious attempt to deprive the imperial squadron not only of its reward for the past but of any adequate motive for the risk of future enterprise and in effect were not these successive pretences calculated to operate as invitations to invasions did they not tend to encourage the enemy to resume his occupation of the port of bahia and generally to renew his aggressions against the independence of the empire on her shores and in her ports without the probability of resistance by the squadrons of his imperial majesty and have not these same judges actually condemned almost every prize as adroit to the crown thereby doing as much in them lay to defraud the squadron and to damp its zeal and destroy its energies nay have not the auditors of marine actually issued decrees pronouncing the captures made at maranjo to have been illegal alleging they were seized under the brazilian flag although in truth the flag of the enemy was flying at the time both in forts and ships declaring me a violator of the law of nations and the law of the land accusing me of having been guilty of an insult to the emperor and the empire and decreeing costs and damages against me under these infamous pretences can your excellency perceive either justice or decency in these decrees do they in any degree breathe the spirit of gratitude for the union of so important a province to the empire or are they at all in accordance with the distinguished approbation which his imperial majesty himself has evinced of my services at marano can it be unknown to your excellency that the late ministers acting doubtless under the sanction of his imperial majesty and assuredly under the guidance of common sense held out that the value of ships of war taken from the enemy was to be the reward of the enterprise of the captors and yet are we not now told that a law exists decreeing all captured men of war to the crown and so rendering the engagements of the late ministers illegal and nugatory can anything be more contrary to justice to good faith to common sense or to sound policy was it ever expected by any government employing foreign seamen in a war in which they can have no personal rights at stake that those seamen will incur the risk of attacking a superior or even an equal force without a prospect of other reward than their ordinary pay is it not notorious that even in england it is found essential or at least highly advantageous to reward the officers and seamen though fighting their own battles not only with the full value of captured vessels of war but even with additional premiums and was it ever doubted that such liberal policy has mainly contributed to the surpassing magnitude of the naval power of that little island and her consequent greatness as a nation can your excellency deny that the delay the neglect and the conduct generally of the prize judges have been the cause of an immense diminution in the value of the captures have not the consequences been a wanton and shameful waste of property by decay and plunder 
can your excellency really believe in the existence of a good and sufficient motive for consigning such property to destruction rather than at once awarding it to the captors in recompense for their services to the empire is it not true that all control over the sails and cargoes of the vessels most of which are without invoices have been taken from the captors and their agents and placed in the hands of individuals over whom they have no authority or influence and from whom they can have no security of receiving a just account and can it be doubted that the gracious intentions of his imperial majesty as announced by himself of rewarding the captors with the value of the prizes are in the utmost danger of being defeated by such proceedings since the twelfth day of february when his imperial majesty was graciously pleased to signify his pleasure in his own handwriting that the prizes though condemned to the crown should be paid for to the captors and that valuators should be appointed to estimate the amount is it not true that nothing whatever up to the date of my former letter to your excellency had been done by his ministers and council in furtherance of such gracious intentions on the contrary is it not notorious that since the announcement of the imperial intention numerous vessels and cargoes have been arbitrarily disposed of by authority of the auditors of marine by being delivered to pretended owners and others without legal adjudication and even without the decency of acquainting the captors or their agents that the property had been so transferred and has not the whole cost of litigation watching and guarding the vessels and cargoes been entirely at the expense of the captors notwithstanding the disposal of the property and the receipt of the proceeds by the agents of government and others so little hope of justice has been presented by the proceedings of the prize tribunal that it has appeared quite useless to label the stores found in the naval and military arsenals of maranjo or the sixty six thousand dollars in the chests of the treasury and custom house with double that sum in bills all of which was left for the use of the province or permitted to be disimbursed to satisfy the clamorous troops of chiara and piani has any remuneration been offered to the navy for these sacrifices of which ministers were duly informed by my official dispatches or has any recompense been awarded for the portuguese brig and schooner of war both completely stored and equipped which were surrendered at maranjo and which have ever since been employed in the naval service to a proportion of all of this i should have been entitled in chile as well as in the english service and why i ask must i here be contented to be deprived of every hope of these fruits of my labours in addition to the prize vessels delivered to claimants without trial have not the ministers appropriated others to the uses of the state without valuation or recompense readers note footnote this conduct was afterwards more flagrantly exemplified on the arrival of the new and noble prize frigate imperatrice the equipment whereof had cost the captors twelve thousand mil rears which sum has never been returned readers note footnote ends in short is it not true that though more than a year has elapsed since the sailing of the imperial squadron under my command and nearly half a year since its return after succeeding in expelling the naval and military forces of the enemy from Bayer, and liberating the northern provinces and uniting them to the empire i say is it not true that not one shilling of prize money has yet been distributed to the squadron and that no prospect is even now apparent of any distribution being speedily made is it not true that the only substantial reward of the officers and seamen of the squadron for the important services that they have rendered has hitherto been nothing more than their mere pittance 
of ordinary pay, and even that in many instances vexatiously delayed and miserably curtailed. And with respect to myself individually, is it not notorious that I necessarily consume my whole pay in my current expenses, that my official rank cannot be upheld with less, and that it is wholly inadequate to the due support of the dignity of those high honours which his imperial majesty has been graciously pleased to confer under all these circumstances it is in vain that i endeavour to make that discovery which your excellency assures me requires only a moment's reflection or rest your excellency says réfléchis un moment cela trouverait que le gouvernement de smi simplement et uniquement pour faire plaisir à vie exi à cette atrie une énorme responsabilité dans le engagement prêt avec vie exi it is not one moment only nor one hour that i have reflected on these words but without making the promised discovery or any profitable guess at your excellency's meaning i would therefore entreat your excellency to tell me what it is that the government has engaged to do all that i know is that they have engaged to pay me a certain sum per annum as commander-in-chief of the squadron and this engagement i admit they have so far fulfilled but the amount is little more than is received by the commander-in-chief of an english squadron and is it not found in that service and in every regular or established naval service that for one officer qualified for any considerable command there are probably ten that are not qualified though all have necessarily been reared and paid at the national expense whereas in this case so far from your having been at the expense of money in order to procure a few that are effective you obtained at once without any previous cost whatsoever the services of myself and the officers that accompanied me all of whom were experienced and efficient now the united amount of salaries you are engaged to pay to myself and the officers whom i brought with me does not exceed twenty five thousand dollars a year to speak of this as an enormous responsibility as an empire requires more than a moment's reflection to be clearly understood the government did however engage to pay myself and my brother officers and seamen the value of our captures from the enemy pursuant to the practice of all maritime belligerents but this engagement has not hitherto been fulfilled if however your excellency admits the responsibility of the government to fulfil this engagement also i am still equally at a loss to conceive in what sense that responsibility could be considered enormous inasmuch as these prizes were not the property of the state nor of individuals belonging to this nation but were the property of portugal with whom this nation was and is engaged in lawful war the payment therefore of the value of these prizes to the captors supposing even the full value to be paid does not in effect take one penny out of the national treasury or out of the pocket of any brazilian if it be false and your excellency appears to scout the idea that any danger exists of having to pay twice for these prizes if there really is no danger of being compelled to purchase peace with a defeated enemy by restoring them their forfeited property it follows that the responsibility of the government in fulfilling its engagement with the captors is so far from being enormous that it is literally nothing how the fulfilment of a lawful engagement by the simple act of paying over to the squadron the value of its prizes taken in time of war from the foreign enemies of the state such payment occasioning no expense and no loss to the state itself can be attended with an enormous responsibility i am utterly unable to comprehend so far as the engagements of the government with me or with the captors in general of the portuguese prizes are of a pecuniary nature they appear to me to lay no great weight of responsibility on the herculean shoulders of this vast empire and 
it is only in a pecuniary sense that I can conceive it to be possible for Your Excellency to have thought of complaining of the responsibility attending the fulfilment of the engagements of the government with me. It is no less difficult to comprehend how this supposed enormous responsibility has been incurred. Simplement et uniquement pour faire plaisir to me, and it is still more difficult to comprehend how it happens that Your Excellency, after all you have heard and seen, après ce qui je entendu et vous, should be at a loss to know in what manner I am to be contented. Je ne serai pas de quelle manière en puisse vous contenter. If, indeed, Your Excellency imagines I ought to be contented with honorary distinctions alone, however highly I may prize them as the free gift of His Imperial Majesty, if Your Excellency is of the opinion that I ought with remerciement as satisfaction to put up with those honours in lieu of those stipulated substantial rewards, which even those honours render more necessary, if Your Excellency thinks that I ought, like the dog in the fable, to resign the substance for a grasp at the shadow, if this is all that Your Excellency knows on the subject of giving me content, it is then very true that Your Excellency does not know in what manner it is to be done. But if, quote, after all Your Excellency has heard and seen, end quote, you would be pleased to render yourself conversant with those written engagements under which I was induced to enter into the service, all that Your Excellency and the rest of the ministers and council of His Imperial Majesty would then have to do, in order to content me to the full, would be to desist from evading the performance of those engagements, and to cause them at once to be fully and honourably fulfilled. And I do not believe that my, quote, correspondence official unfair rendu public enfera foi, end quote, for I am not conscious that I have ever called on the government to incur one farthing of expense on my account, beyond the fulfilment of their written engagements, which were the same as those I had with Chile, which were formed precisely on the practice of England. There was indeed a verbal and conditional engagement with the late ministers that certain losses, which I might incur in the consequence of leaving the service of Chile, should be made good. Reader's note footnote. As the Brazilian government had obtained possession of a new corvette, named the Maria de Gloria, which cost the government of Chile $90,000, without reimbursing to that state one single farthing, and by the said act, had deprived Lord Cochrane of the benefit he would have derived as commander-in-chief from the services of that ship in the Pacific. The non-fulfilment of this engagement seems more unjust. Reader's note footnote ends. Letter continues. And the question as to the obligation of fulfilling that engagement I submitted in my letter of the 6th of March to the Minister of Marine to the consideration of their successors. It would be fortunate for me if this should prove to be one of those ill-understood verbal transactions which Your Excellency assures me the present ministers and council always decide in my favour. I shall not in that case be backward to receive the benefit of the decision with thanks and satisfaction, but I am willing to resign it rather than it should add an overwhelming weight to that enormous responsibility which Your Excellency complains has already been incurred with a view to my contentment. I repeat that I have never asked for more than I possessed in Chile, or than any officer of the same rank is entitled to in England, though British officers have heretofore received in the service of Portugal double the amount of their English pay, and though the burning climate of Brazil is injurious to health, while those of Chile and Portugal are salubrious. Your Excellency, therefore, is perfectly welcome to publish the whole of my official correspondence, because instead of proving, as Your Excellency asserts, the great difficulty of contenting me, it would go far 
to prove the much greater difficulty of inducing those with whom I have to do to take any one step for that purpose. I confess, however, that in order to content me effectually, it is necessary to fulfil not only all written engagements with myself individually, but generally with all the officers and seamen with whom, while I hold the command, I consider myself identified, and the more particularly because, in my own firm reliance on the good faith of the government, I did in some sort become responsible for that good faith to my brother officers and seamen, but with whom, I put it to your excellency, has good faith been kept? Is it not notorious that previous to the departure of the expedition to Bahia, declarations were made to the seamen in writing by the late Minister of Marine, through my medium and in printed proclamations, that their dues should be paid with all possible regularity, and all their arrears discharged immediately on their return? And is not your excellency aware that specific contracts were entered into by the accredited agent of his imperial majesty in england with a number of officers and seamen who in consequence were induced to quit their native country and enter into the employ of his imperial majesty can it be denied that these declarations and contracts written and printed were known to and are actually in the possession of the ministers or in the hands of the officers of the pay department and yet is it not true that they were neglected to be fulfilled for a period of upwards of three months after the return of the Pedro Primiero, and was not the tardy fulfilment which at length took place procured by my incessant representations and remonstrances. Permit me also to ask whether the good effects of prompt payment were not illustrated on the arrival of the frigates Nitheroy and Carolyn, which happened just at the period I had succeeded in procuring payment to be made. Was it not in consequence of immediate payment that the greater part of the English crew of the Nitheroy remained quietly on board, and are now actually engaged on an important service to his imperial majesty. And on the other hand, is it not equally true that the English seamen of the Pedro Primiero were so disheartened and disgusted with the long delay which in their case had occurred, and the manifest bad faith which had been evinced, that by far the greater part of them actually abandoned the ship, and generally, is it not true that the violations of promise, the obstruction of justice, and the arbitrary acts of severity, have produced dissatisfaction and irritation in the minds of the officers and seamen, and done infinite prejudice to the service of his imperial majesty and to the interests and prospects of the empire. Can it be denied that the treatment to which the officers are exposed is in the highest degree cruel and unjust? Have they not in many instances been confined in a fortress or prison ship, without being told who is their accuser or what is the accusation? And are they not kept for many months at a time in that cruel state of suspense and restraint without the means or opportunity of justification or defence? Have not some of them, while incarcerated in the fortress of the island of Cobras, been deprived of their pay for a great length of time and even denied the provisions necessary for their subsistence? And if, after all, they are brought to trial, are not their judges composed of the natives of a nation with whom they are at war? Is it possible that English or other foreign officers in the service can be satisfied with such a system. Can your excellency entertain a doubt that open accusation, prompt trial, unsuspected justice, and speedy punishment if merited are essential to the good government of a naval service? Nay, is it possible that your excellency should not know the system of government in the naval service of Portugal is the most wretched in the world, and consequently the last that ought to have been adopted for the naval service of Brazil? And here I would respectfully ask your excellency whether you know of any one thing recommended by me for the benefit of the naval service, being complied with? Have the laws been revised to adapt them to the better government of the service? 
has a corps of marine artillery been formed and taught their duty have young gentlemen intended for officers been sent on board to learn their profession have young men been enlisted and sent on board to be bred up as seamen or has any encouragement been given to the employment of brazilians in the commerce of the coast readers note footnote it was the policy of portugal to navigate the coasting trade of brazil by slaves and that of spain to allow none but indians to exercise the trade of fishermen on the shores of their south american colonies readers note footnote ends letter continues with regard to those difficulties delays and other impediments of which i have complained as existing in the arsenal and other officers and which your excellency supposes me to have represented as being caused or at least tolerated by the minister and which you are pleased to characterize as tout a faint imaginaires at nayant de autre source the ambition sordide de quelque intrigant i shall not now enter into them again at any length as much that i have already written tends to refute your excellency's notions on the subject that such abuses really do exist i have proved beyond the power of contradiction and that they are at least tolerated by those whomever they may be who possess without exercising the means of preventing does not require the ingenuity of an intrigant to discover as the fact is self-evident i cannot therefore admit that either my complaints or suspicions are tout à fait imaginaires or that they are des petitesses as your excellency is pleased contemptuously to term them but whatever they are they originate in my own observation without any assistance from the spectacles of an intrigant with which i am so gratuitously accommodated by your excellency in still further proof however of the real existence of the evils in question i may just observe that since the return of the pedro primiero that ship has been kept in constant disorder by the delay in commencing and the idle and negligent mode of executing even the trifling alterations in the channels which were necessary to enable the rigging to be set up and which after the lapse of upward of five months is now scarcely finished though it might have been accomplished in forty-eight hours even the time of caulking was spun out to a period nearly as long as was occupied last year in the accomplishment of that thorough repair which the ship then underwent and the painting is far from being completed after sixteen or eighteen days labour though a british ship of war is usually painted in a day even my own cabin is in such a state that when i am on board i have no place to sit down in all these things may appear to your excellency as des petitesses or even tout à fait imaginaires but to me they appear matters of a serious nature injurious and disgraceful to the service i may not perhaps succeed in convincing your excellency but i have the satisfaction of being inwardly conscious that independent of my natural desire to obtain justice for myself and for all the officers and men of the squadron no small part of my anxiety for the fulfilment of the engagements of the government proceeds from a desire to see the navy of his imperial majesty rendered efficient which it can never be unless the same good faith is observed with the officers and men as is kept between the government and navy of england and unless indeed many other important considerations are attended to which appear to have hitherto escaped the regard of the imperial government why for instance is there indifference in regard to the clothing of the men what but discontent debasement and enervation can the effects of that ragged and almost naked condition in which they have so long been suffered to remain notwithstanding the numerous applications that have been made for necessary clothing i would also inquire the reason that officers and men strangers to each other and destitute of attachment and mutual confidence are hastily shipped together in vessels of war going on active service when better arrangements might easily be made what can be expected from the vessels of war just gone out in case they should meet 
with any serious opposition, but disgrace to those by whom they were so imperfectly and improperly equipped. If this communication were not already too long, or if after the letter I have received from Your Excellency it were possible for me to continue my representations in the hope of redress, I could add to the list of those causes of complaint which I had already pointed out many particulars, which none but those who are blindly attached to that wretched system which has been so injurious to the marine and kingdom of Portugal could consider either trifling or imaginary. But as my present object has been chiefly to repel those imputations in which Your Excellency has so freely indulged, and believing that I have fully succeeded in that object, and have shown clearly that Your Excellency has unjustly and untruly accused me of encouraging tale-bearers, making unfounded complaints, and of being of a nature so avaricious as never to be satisfied, which latter, by the by, is an extraordinary accusation to prefer against me, a man whom Your Excellency must know has not hitherto been benefited, after being more than a year in the service, to the amount of one shilling for the important services he has rendered, but who, on the contrary, as he can show by his accounts, has necessarily expended more in his official situation than he has received in the service, so that the remerciments and the satisfaction which Your Excellency accuses him of being deficient in can scarcely yet be due, unless it is proper to be satisfied and grateful too, for less than nothing. Having, I say, fully repelled and refuted these unjust accusations, I shall avoid troubling Your Excellency with any further detail, but I repeat that Your Excellency has my free consent to cause the whole of my official correspondence to be published, for in all that I have advanced with respect to the violations of contracts and on the subject of the unsatisfied claims of the squadron and relative to the ill-usage of officers under arrest and to the misconduct of the judges of prizes and those who have the management of the civil department of the marine readers note footnote also portuguese footnote ends and in all matters whatever in question between the government of brazil and myself i am confident that i may safely rely on the decision of the public and if at the same time your excellency can give me a satisfactory explanation of the motives of that line of conduct on the part of the ministers and council which without such explanation would have the appearance of originating in bad faith the publication would be doubly beneficial by placing the conduct and character of all parties in a proper point of view i have the honour to be most excellent sir your respectful and most obedient servant cochrane and moranum his excellency joao seriano maciel de costa secretary of state for the home department etc 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 end of appendix three end of the life of thomas lord cochrane tenth earl of dundonald volume one by henry richard foxbourne